is the Cloud Now Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to episode 16 of the Cloud and Out podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. And we are two brothers. We focus 100% on Amazon Web Services. Most importantly, uh, we do consulting for clients all over the world, helping them to bootstrap their infrastructure, optimize costs, um, improve security, and uh, similar topics. Um, this podcast um, is all about AWS and the details um, of AWS. And every other week, one of us, either Michael or me, prepares a topic which is then presented to the other one. So today, Michael has prepared the topic, and I have no idea what we will talk about. So, Michael, what, what do you have? Yes, Andreas. So today we are going to talk about a service that probably... Uh, you have used or i'm 100 percent sure that you have used uh, the service and it is more or less used by everyone um, in the background and the service is called cloudwatch uh, cloudwatch has grown over the past years significantly so lots of features have been added so i thought it's time to uh, give the service a new uh, or a closer look and i want to focus on two specific features of the service and those are metrics and alarms so we're going to talk about how we can use CloudWatch metrics and how we can use CloudWatch alarms uh, to monitor AWS workloads. Okay, so it's basically a refresher of uh, CloudWatch. I really like that idea. So let's go. Yeah, exactly. So that's the intention because, I mean, with so many announcements um, and you may uh, have just missed one of the new features. So basically I go through all the features today and also I highlight if there's something new and new is more or less maybe if it was added in the past uh, one or two years, last one or two years. Um, okay, so before we start, I give a short introduction into um, what CloudWatch metrics are and what CloudWatch alarms are. So you can think of CloudWatch metrics as a time series database for telemetry data. So for example, CPU utilization of an EC2 instance or uh, also network throughput of an RDS instance. So metrics like this. So it's data points that have, have a timestamp with a value uh, attached to it. And then we can make queries to those metrics. Um, and on top of this, we have CloudWatch alarms. And an alarm is something that watches a metric continuously. And if the value of the metric um, goes below or above a threshold, uh, it triggers actions. And that's kind of the the concepts that we have here. So metrics is kind of the, the data store for uh, telemetry data. And then we have alarms that observe those uh, metrics and can trigger an action if a threshold is reached. Okay, so I'm going to start with metrics because you already realized that the alarms kind of depend on metrics. So you cannot use alarms without metrics. So that's why we start with, um, with them. And one thing that was changed uh, in the last years is that a CloudWatch metrics now keeps data for uh, 15 months. So that is one of the important changes. So before that, I think we had one month uh, or maybe a little bit longer, but within a very short uh, amount of uh, time uh, retention period for data. Now it's up to 15 uh, months. But 
um, there's something that you have to consider when working with older data. And this is uh, related to the resolution of the data. So the highest resol resolution of data that you can have in CloudWatch is one second. And very few sources provide data at this resolution. And I don't think that any of the AWS uh, sources besides DynamoDB provide uh, metrics at this resolution. So for example, EC2 always, always reports every minute. So the resolution is one minute. There's one thing I want to add here. So um, by default, EC2 um, publishes a metric every five minutes and you can activate um, detailed monitoring and then you get the one minute resolution for CloudWatch metrics. Um, yeah, so and it also depends on the instance type. So if, if you use one of the more expensive types, you get um, the enhanced monitoring by default. Uh, so they will report every minute. But the cheaper instances will only report every five minutes. Yeah, that's correct. Um, okay, so if you ingest data into CloudWatch, it will age over the 15 months where it is stored in CloudWatch. And the rules is that for the first three hours, data points can have a resolution of up to one second. So you can access data that is uh, three hours old or that is not older than three hours with a resolution of one second if you ingested with a one second resolution. As soon as data gets older than three hours, it is automatically um, aggregated down to a one minute resolution. So you cannot get a resolution of one second after three hours for data points. It will be automatically managed by CloudWatch. And this is more or less uh, to store or to reduce the, the storage consumption of the data. Because if you turn one second resolution to one minute resolution, it, you will basically reduce the storage by 160. So that's a big saving. And then this kind of process continues after 15 days where the resolution is changed or is increased from one minute to five minutes. So now CloudWatch will automatically uh, make sure that the data is uh, um, aggregated to five minute chunks instead of one minute chunks. And the same procedure uh, happens after 63 days. And now the resolution, the five minute resolution is uh, turned down to one hour resolution. And this is uh, what you get up until the 15 months of the data, and then it is uh, just deleted. So if you work with older data, keep in mind that the resolution will change. So very likely most of your sources will ingest at one minute or five minute at a five minute resolution. So after 15 days or 63 days, your resolution will change. And sometimes this is important, um, so keep this in mind. So, Michael, do you know how they aggregate data? So is there some documentation around that? So I'm not sure. So I think you might, or your question is if they just uh, drop every, so if they go from one minute to five minutes, if they just drop four data points and keep um, the, the fifth. Um, I think they do more clever tricks because they can, so you can uh, report sums and, and things like this. But for sums and counts and, and, and min, max, that's easy. I don't know how it works for percentiles. So I'm not quite sure uh, how this is handled. Um, but this is a good point. So we can, or I can research this and I can add it to the show notes. But I, I don't know out of the box how they do it 
And I assume that there are some problems with percentiles there. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is how we. This is basically the raw data in CloudWatch, and uh, you can also access the raw data. But usually, what we want to do is we want to compute um, st statistics on time windows, and CloudWatch calls these aggregations. So you can use the following functions. Um, you can compute an average, you can compute a minimum, you can compute a maximum, a sum, and as I already mentioned, you can compute percentiles, and this is a new feature. So the cool thing about percentiles is that if you're dealing with uh, latency data, for example, this is very handy uh, compared to average. Um, you can use the 99 percentile or 95 percentile um, to look at your data and you get a better understanding of um, your latencies. So, okay, that's the first aspect of aggregations. The second um, important um, configuration that you uh, perform when you create an aggregation is, so besides specifying the function that is applied, you also specify um, the size of the time window. So this could be 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever is needed. And this size of the time window is called period in Cloud uh, CloudWatch. So for example, if you say I want to compute the average with a period of 5 minutes um, for the data starting at uh, 10 o'clock up to 10, 15 o'clock, you will get um, three data points, one that covers 10 to 10 uh, um, and 5 minutes, one from 10 and 5 minutes to 10, 10, and then one from 10, 10 to 10, 15. Keep in mind that the end time is always exclusive. So the begin time is inclusive and the end time is exclusive. So that's how they uh, create the time windows. Okay, and then CloudWatch calculates um, the statistic for you. I have a question uh, on that. So uh, when I do an aggregation, let's say um, I'm doing um, uh, an average over five minutes, um, so we, then uh, then it's fine. So I have uh, one second resolution, and it gets aggregated to a five minute period. That that is okay. But what happens um, when my aggregation spans more than the three hours? where basically the, the, the data uh, intervals change from one second to one minute. Do you know that? Or is that also kind of uh, hidden under, under the API? Yeah, so I think if I get your question correctly, then the question is what happens if the resolution is higher than the period? Mm -hmm. Okay, I think then you will be... Um, or what happens is that there is not a data point for every time window, so you will get a very strange output, likely, um, because there are less data points than, than, than time windows. Also the other way around. So, so when my period uh, spans um, a time frame where I have a different uh, granularity of my data, <laughs> then it's also interesting what happens. So probably they just then use um, the, the worst... Um, data granularity for everything but yeah but that's probably not documented but interesting <laughs> yeah so okay i get you so if if basically the the time window uh, covers one of those scenarios where we have two different resolutions in the time window mm. but i i actually i don't know uh, and i i read through the documentation i i don't think that this something was mentioned like this but 
If you like, I can also research it. I hope it's a one request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Let's I don't know if it's really. It's more a theoretic uh, a, a question that I came up with because I think in 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 practice, uh, that's probably not a problem uh, because you yeah. usually don't have that. But um, just just out of interest, it would be interesting to know. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so now we talked about aggregations and that you can basically apply a statistical function to a, a period uh, of um, your uh, raw data. And if you want to do a little bit more complicated computations, then there's a new feature in CloudWatch, which is called Metric Math, which allows you to first work with multiple metrics. So you can uh, combine multiple metrics into one uh, result. Um, you can do like simple Uh, computations, uh, sum, uh, subtraction, as addition, subtraction, uh, multiplication, division, and things like this. But you can also do things like if um, statements. And so there is that the language that is used for metric math is is pretty sophisticated. So you can do uh, a lot of things. So that's very interesting to check out. And I have two use cases for you. Um, and one is. Um, if you want to combine multiple metrics. For example, if you want to monitor the network utilization of an EC2 instance, you have two metrics. One is called network in and the other is called network out. And you have to um, add those two metrics together to get the uh, total network um, throughput of the system. And, and this is the number that you have to uh, monitor if you want to make sure that um, for example, if your instance has 10 gigabits of network capacity to make sure that um, you 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 uh, monitor how many uh, how or how utilized your network uh, interface is. Okay, so the second use case that we um, already covered in the blog as well is um, if you want to combine multiple metrics into one metric to trigger a scaling activity. And this is an example that uh, you created, Andreas. So maybe you can um, tell us a little bit about how it works and how metric math helps us to achieve the goal. Yeah, so so you already described it. Um, so metric math allows us to combine multiple CloudWatch metrics. Um, so basically what you do is first you describe um, which metrics you want to combine. So for example, you could do Uh, I do CPU utilization, I do memory utilization and network utilization. These are typically the three bottlenecks of a virtual machine. And um, you combine those three metrics um, with the help um, of, uh, of metric math. And what you can do um, is um, you can use um, if statements to combine multiple statements into one a single expression. Uh, so for example, you could have something like um, if the CPU utilization is above seven, uh, 70, um, the result should be one, otherwise it should be zero. Or if the memory is above 80%, um, the value should be one, alternatively it should be zero, and so on. And by doing that, um, you can have one CloudWatch alarm that basically monitors multiple CloudWatch metrics at once. And if one of the metric exceeds the threshold, the alarm will trigger, for example, to autoscale or something like that. Um, so this is um, what I really like about uh, metric math. And I think it's totally um, 
uh, or it should be uh, wider known because you can do really interesting things uh, with metric math. Okay, Andreas. Um, so I think that that's also a, a like a great example of using metric math. And um, there are, as you mentioned, many more possibilities. And I think we don't have uh, even uh, like recognized all the possibilities. So uh, feel free to, if you see a, a good example of metric math in the wild, feel free to send it us uh, and, and we will have a look at it because I'm always interested in, in how this is used. Okay, so last but not least, uh, the question is uh, who actually populates the metric? So who sends the data? And the good news here is that most AWS services, so for example, EC2 and RDS, um, they all report telemetry data by default to CloudWatch metrics. So for example, you get EC2 CPU utilization, you get the network metrics, and that's all uh, available for you out of the box. So if you are not using CloudWatch at the moment, so check out uh, CloudWatch and you will already see metrics there um, and there's already data there that you can look at. And besides the data that is published by AWS, you could also uh, publish your own data and this is then called a custom metric. So for example, we use this uh, to publish uh, data like if someone signs up to a service um, or something like this. So you can also push like more business metrics to uh, CloudWatch. Okay. So I think there is one last thing that you can do with, with CloudWatch metrics because um, by default, there's, this is more like something that you look up, uh, look at um, if something goes wrong. And to make this a little bit easier, because usually you have to look at more than one metric uh, in, uh, at the same time, and you can define a CloudWatch dashboard. And a CloudWatch dashboard is a collection of um, tiles, and each tile shows uh, one or multiple metrics. Um, in different styles. You can have uh, line graphs, you can have stacked line graphs. Uh, there are a few other uh, ways to visualize the data. Um, so I, I really like to create uh, such a dashboard for every application because it's it's much easier to, to get a, a overview of how the application is doing. And if something is wrong, it's, it's usually much faster to detect the problem by just looking at the dashboard. Um, and so over time, um, the dashboard will contain all the important metrics. And you could also have like a dashboard for um, developers and operators, and you can also have a dashboard for more like from the business side. Um, so depending on your, uh, on the audiences that want to uh, get an insight into the application, um, you could also create multiple dashboards. So that's, it's nothing more than a convenient way to look at, at metrics. Okay, so... Now we are switching to CloudWatch alarms. So as I mentioned, um, a metric alarm, and previously this was just called an alarm. Now we have to distinguish. Um, so a metric alarm is something that, um, and this is now my understanding, so that's likely not how it is implemented, but this is how we can think about how it works. So a metric alarm continuously runs an aggregation over the last periods um, or last period of a metric and checks the result against the threshold. So that's um, basically all it does. And we also have this new type of alarms which are called composite alarms. And a composite alarm continually checks other alarms. So if you remember the example from Andreas, so he used uh, three different metrics like CPU utilization, uh, memory utilization and network utilization. Um, 
You could also do this with a composite alarm. So you could create a alarm for the CPU metric. You can create an alarm for the memory metric and you can create an alarm for the network metric. And then you can create a composite alarm that basically watches those three alarms. And as soon as one of those alarms um, goes off, you can uh, trigger the composite alarm, for example. And so you can use then the composite alarm to trigger the auto-scaling action. The problem with this approach is that um, you pay uh, twice because you have to pay for each uh, alarm and you also pay for the composite alarm. So the solution that Andreas showed you, where only one alarm was used, is much cheaper than the solution with the composite alarm and the three metric alarms. Uh, so use whatever you like. Um, composite alarms might be a little bit easier because you don't have to understand metric math, but um, over the long term, um, I think you can do greater things with, with metric math. So uh, I would check out metric math, um, but um, that's just a side note. Okay, so let's continue with the alarms. An alarm can be in three different states. The first state is the okay state, which means the threshold is not reached, the alarm is not activated. Then we have the alarm state, which means the threshold is reached. And the, the third state is a state that is called insufficient data. And this is a state where the alarm cannot um, say it is okay and it cannot say it's in alarm state because it has no data available. So it says I'm in, in insufficient data state, which might or might not be a problem for your use case. And every time the alarm state changes from one of the uh, states that I uh, introduced, a action can be triggered. So for example, if the alarm goes into the okay state, you could trigger an action. If it goes into the alarm state, you can trigger an action. You can also trigger multiple actions. If it goes into insufficient data, you can again trigger an action. So you will not receive uh, a trigger if it stays in the same state. So as long as it's in the okay state, uh, you will not receive anything, only if the state is changed an action is triggered. Something that is new and that is very handy for a lot of use cases is that we now can configure um, how a CloudWatch alarm deals with missing data. So the default behavior, so the old behavior, is go into insufficient data state. And sometimes this is a good idea and sometimes that might not be a good idea. So you have now three additional options besides the default and old behavior. So the first um, option is you can ignore this case at all. So just make the alarm stay in the state where it is. So it, it, if it was in OK, it stays in OK. If it was in alarm, it stays in the alarm state. You can also say that if no data is uh, there to look at, then the state should be OK. And you can also do the, the opposite. If there's no data, you can set the state to alarm. And those are basically now our options. So in some cases, for example, load balancers only report data if requests arrive. So if no requests arrive, that very likely is not a problem. So you can just say, um, okay, if, if there's no data, treat it as okay. Um, and then you will see uh, all alarms in green and none of the alarms in insufficient data state. Yeah, I want to add another example here, Michael. Um, another thing that you can do with that is and I've written a blog post on that. Um, I think it is a, about a year ago. I can link it in the show notes as well. You can do something like a dead man switch, um, which is handy, for example, if you have a script 
that runs on a machine and, for example, is uh, backing up data every night. If what you can do with uh, with that is you can you can send each time the backup succeeded, you send uh, you put a, a metric a data point into a custom metric, and then you can define a CloudWatch alarm and say if there is no data coming in, treat it as alarm. And by doing so, if the backup script is not succeeding for any reason. Um, the alarm will trigger and you will get notified that, for example, the backup job was missing. So this is handy for monitoring cron jobs. You could also call it a heartbeat uh, service um, that you can build very easily with the combination of a custom metric where you just send um, simple data points to, for example, send a, a data point of one every time the backup is completed uh, and then use um, metric math, uh, no, not metric math, sorry, um, this uh, missing data configuration To, to send the alarm to or to set the alarm to alarm state when no data is arriving for a period of time. Or I have another example where I use it. Um, I have an, um, uh, an agent running um, that is doing some background processing and the, the agent is reporting, um, I think it's every minute, he reports his health status to a custom metric. And then again, I can do um, when, when there's no data coming in on this custom metric, this should be an alarm and I have to check the agent and check why it's not running anymore. So this is also, I think, a handy use case for that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's true. So basically, whenever you have, so if you really have three different states, um, like okay, alarm and insufficient data, um, then this is uh, something that, that you should uh, react on. But uh, as I also mentioned, there are also cases where there's basically only an okay and an alarm state. Um, so um, you have to yeah, understand what kind of situation you are in, if insufficient data is something that's important or, or not. And if it's not important, then you can treat it as okay. Um, okay, so now I have a few examples of alarms and we start with a simple one and then we um, enhance the configuration a little bit to make uh, the alarms more stable. Because if you create an alarm and your uh, either your period is too slow uh, or your threshold is not set correctly, then you can end up with a situation where alarms are go uh, on and off and on and off and on and off. So they basically flip uh, every few minutes. And that's very likely not uh, a good situation because this is not very helpful uh, to, to take any action on. So let's start with the simple alarm, um, which is very or which is, uh, depending on the use case, uh, vulnerable to this kind of problem. So the alarm is uh, defined as if the average CPU utilization, so average is the statistic function, CPU utilization is the metric name, over the last five-minute period, and five-minute is the period length here, is greater than 80, and 80 is now the threshold, then send a message to an SNS topic. And this send a message to an SNS topic is our action. So that's the first uh, kind of alarm that you can define. So if the uh, within the period the threshold is reached, uh, trigger an action. So what you can also do is um, you can look at multiple periods. So not only the last period, but you can also look at the one before and the one before that period, for example. And then the alarm looks like this. So if the average CPU utilization over the last three five-minute periods is greater than 80, then trigger an action. 
And now the threshold has to be reached uh, at the current period, the period before that, and the period before that. So that is more stable than the alarm before. So it will not uh, trigger as early as the other one. What you can also do um, in situations where you have um, short spikes in your um, metrics, you can use the so-called, and this is also a new uh, feature, you can use the M out of N logic. So in my example before, all the three periods had to be uh, had to reach the threshold to trigger the alarm. And with the M out of N logic, you can configure that um, if the average CPU utilization over the last four, five minute periods is greater than 80 for at least two times. And this is basically the change here. So you can say, look at the, look at um, N periods, but um, raise the alarm if four or more uh, often the threshold was reached. And so this is also very handy um, to create alarms and they are usually more stable um, than if you just look at a single period. You can also, uh, as I mentioned, play with the period length. So maybe five minutes is not a good period length in your use case. Um, if you go to one minute, that might be very uh, volatile. If you look at 10 minutes, that is more stable, but you may miss uh, the important uh, time when you have to do something. So this is kind of a, a complicated game, figuring out the thresholds, figuring out the whole configuration. And the good news here is that um, we now have um, a new feature, which is called anomaly detection. And with anomaly detection, CloudWatch will um, try to understand by looking at the past, um, how the metric usually uh, evolves. So it will um, learn a trainer model and this model will have a upper and a lower boundary. And then it will automatically adjust the, the threshold of, of the alarm. So you are no longer, no longer using a static threshold. Instead, you're using a more dynamic threshold that is set based on what the model learned by looking at the past two weeks of data. So there are a couple of questions that I had when I uh, was looking into this feature. So what is if, you're, um, if you create an alarm and the metric uh, does not have uh, two weeks of data? And it still works, but it gets better than over time. So if you, for example, have a traffic pattern that is maybe uh, different on Mondays than on, on Saturdays, uh, you will need a certain amount of data to understand this or to, to, to let CloudWatch learn this. So depending on the, the patterns, um, it will still take two weeks until you get like reasonable numbers, but it still, it works before that. But the threshold might not be uh, as like clever as it could be. And it can learn um, basically through different patterns it can um, use uh, hourly patterns, daily patterns, and weekly patterns. So if you have something like Christmas, it will still uh, not recognize this as an event that it knows about. Um, because on Christmas, the traffic just will be higher, but that's not something that it can understand because it only looks at the, the last uh, two weeks of data. So um, keep it this in mind when you're using uh, uh, anomaly detection. So it is not... Completely clever, it's just a little bit of clever. 
So I'm skeptical, Michael. <laughs> so you have to explain that to me a little bit deeper. So, so let's say I want to define a CloudWatch alarm um, based on um, the 500 arrows on my load balancer. Um, so when I use anomaly detection, uh, it learns that it is it was happening for the last two weeks that I don't know each 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 night we had several errors um, and so uh, CloudWatch anomaly anomaly detection will assume that this is fine and will not report an issue. Is that correct? Um, yeah. So in in theory, that's correct. Okay. So I'm not quite sure how many data points you actually need to make it work. Uh -huh. um, so if it's just one or two numbers. I don't, I don't know if that's enough. Or, yeah, or let's say I have a very low number of 500s usually. So let's say it's less than 1% or something. But during the evening, I have 10% or 20% or even 50%. Um, that would mean for, for CloudWatch, because there is no, there, it, does not, it does not change. It's just the same, the same problem consistently um, repeats. Then this will not trigger an alarm. So I think that is um, why I really... I'm a little bit skeptical of is there really a use case for anom anomaly detection because um, you don't know basically the data that it was trained on or the data changes also that it was trained on. So it could be that even slowly, for example, a problem in your infrastructure uh, becomes visible, but then anomaly detection just learns, oh, this, this seems to be normal. Uh, we are getting more and more 500 errors every midnight, and, and then you will never uh, get an alarm out of that. So that is why I'm a little bit skeptical if, if machine learning is really helping that much in, in this scenario. Of course it is for, for, um, for spikes that are just because of an outage, because of something was broken, because you deployed something, um, but I think there are other um, things that, that you will not uh, cover with anomaly detection. And um, so I think you need to be very careful when using it and to be, to be aware of the fact that there might be blind spots in your monitoring then um, that you are not covering. So it's probably something that you can use additionally to um, useful configured uh, alarms. Yes, so I agree. Um, and um your like example with the like there's always errors at at night and um, so if if this looks if this is the pattern then it is not an anomaly for anomaly detection because it's like it's it's the pattern so it as long as it looks like the past it is okay um so it's not clever uh, so it's not intelligent it, it just it just checks if this looks like what 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 it saw in the last two weeks uh, and it can it understands that there are hours, it understands that there are days, and it understands that there are weekdays. So that's kind of the concept it knows about. And everything else, it has no idea about it. Um, but yes, so you have to be... Same is for latencies, yeah? So if I, if, the, if the site or the application always gets slow during business hours, <laughs> the anomaly detection will never notice that because it's just the same pattern every day, yeah. Uh, it, it may be noticed that um, if there is a, a day off or something, <laughs> that maybe uh, trigger the next time. But yeah, so I'm a little bit skeptical if that is really helpful. There might be use cases, but really think twice uh, when using it and, and um, check check for blind spots in your monitoring. I think that is really uh, important here. And by the way, do you know the costs for anomaly detection? Is it do I have to pay anything, or is it just a typical alarm? You have to pay for it. 
but I don't have the numbers. Um, but it is not for free. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Michael, I learned a lot already. Um, so um, actually, I, I didn't notice some of the changes to to CloudWatch. And something I also wanted to mention. So um, I often see people buying third-party monitoring solutions before they really. Um, checked what is possible um, with CloudWatch by default. Uh, so I think for for many, many scenarios, the capabilities of CloudWatch are uh, totally sufficient. And you can get, uh, if you have everything in place that you can do with CloudWatch, I think you can, um, or your monitoring is already quite um, doing quite well. And I think buying a third-party uh, solution um, is in, in many cases not really possible and, and often expensive. So I think I'm a big fan of CloudWatch. Um, of course, the, the, user, the user experience is maybe a little bit the problem and the learning curve is also uh, high because uh, we discussed metric, math, and all that stuff. So these are kind of hidden features um, that not everyone will, will notice. So, so yeah, thanks for, 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 ex for uh, revisiting CloudWatch here. Yes, Andreas. Um, so before I um, end with the summary, I think this is a good uh, time to uh, talk, talk about the actions again. Um, because I mentioned there are, um, you can, so whenever the state of the alarm changes, you can trigger an action. And there are three different kinds of actions possible. So the first, and this is the, I think the most popular action is send a message to an SQ, SNS topic. And the next action is you can trigger an auto-scaling action. Or um, to be more precise, you can trigger an auto-scaling policy. And the the third possibility is you can trigger an EC2 instance recovery. So the most popular one is the SNS topic, as I mentioned. Um, so you can send alarms to SNS topics. And then to actually receive them, you have to subscribe to the SNS topic. And there are multiple possibilities here. So you can send an email. Uh, you can also send SMS messages. You can trigger HTTP requests, whatever you like. Keep in mind that the volume, or you have to kind of, you, you don't have really control about the volume of data. So if you want to send SMS messages, that, that could become annoying. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, if lots of alarms um, go off, then uh, you probably have a, uh, like a lot of spam on your, on your phone. Um, so that's why we um, created uh, Marbot. And Marbot is a Slack chatbot. So you can connect it to Slack. And you can connect it to an SNS topic. And then it will forward all the alarms to your team. And it does some clever things like aggregation of alarms. So if there are lots of alarms going uh, are going on, it will group them together. And it, it, it creates links into the AWS console. So if it sees this is an EC2 instance alarm, you get a link to the EC2 instance. If it sees this is a problem with RDS, you get the link to RDS and things like this. So it, it makes uh, dealing with alarms much easier. And because it's one problem to create the alarms, um, as soon as you have created them, you have a next, the next problem. So you have to deal with them and you have to fix the problems. And this is where Marbot can help you. It also gives you some advice. Uh, so for example, if uh, an SQS queue uh, grows, it will uh, add a runbook to make sure that uh, you also have uh, like a document to step-by-step -step, um, documentation how to debug the problem. So... This product is called Marbot. It works with Slack only at the moment. So if you are a Slack user and if you're interested in CloudWatch, check Marbot out. It also helps you to create all the alarms. And that's, that's basically also one of the biggest problems. 
So if, if you don't have any alarms configured at the moment, or if you know that there are lots of missing alarms, um, you can also check out Marbot and it will set up the alarms for you. Yeah, and you will, you will find the link to Marbot in the show notes. Um, definitely check it out. There's a free trial. Okay, so let me end with the summary of all the, the changes. Um, so data can now be tracked at one at a one-second resolution, and it is stored up to 15 months. Um, you can now calculate percentile statistics, um, which is a very good fit for latencies. You can use metric math uh, to provide um, or to calculate um, all kinds of things, and it has a very rich it has very rich capabilities. Um, so you can more or less solve most problems with metric math. Um, with the new composite alarms, you can group multiple alarms together. Um, it's easy, but keep in mind that it might be expensive. Uh, and it's definitely more expensive than metric math. If you have uh, alarms, if you want to make your alarms more stable, then um, you likely want to check out the M out of N logic, which says so if for the last five periods uh, the threshold was uh, reached three times, the alarm should go off. Um, and so that's an ideal uh, like f configuration if you have spikes in, in your metrics. And then last but not least, we discussed anomaly detection. Um, keep in mind everything that Andreas mentioned, um, but um, uh, in some situations, it I think it's also uh, a good fit. So for example, you can uh, use it to monitor storage uh, and things like this. Um, okay, Andreas, so that's it. Um, everything that I have to, or everything that I remember that changed with CloudWatch over the past years, I hope I haven't missed something. Um, If I have missed something, um, please uh, send us your feedback. Um, we will add everything that you need to know to the show notes. And we are always uh, looking forward to your feedback and we usually answer your emails. So if you have some uh, additional uh, use cases or, or something or comments and, and, and just send them to us and we are really happy to reply to your messages. Yeah, thank you very much, Michael. Um, that was very interesting. Uh, so thanks for that. Um, I have three things um, that I want to ask uh, you, our listeners, for. So first is, please subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player to make sure you're not missing any episodes. Second is, please share this podcast with at least one other person. And last but not least, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Bye. Okay, so that's a lot of tasks for you. Um, 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 thank you very much for listening and see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.